Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Perfect. Hi, welcome to Tag Talk. This is a little bit of a different one. This is pre-recorded. Sorry, but I am off somewhere else. But this, we really wanted to get this episode in as soon as possible because... Well, I'm Kylie. This is Haley. We have a special guest. <laughs> I forgot to introduce us. This is Charlie. If you, guys, if, if you follow us on Twitter, you know that we are the elite girlies. We are yes. probably the biggest elite fans out there. So do you want to introduce mm-hmm. yourself and talk a little bit about a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Um, so I'm Charlie. Um I if I, I work a lot with Russell Purist and I do like my main stints over there. Um I've been a wrestling fan since I was like five. Like that's like my earliest memories of it. And I found the Young Bucks when they were in TNA, when they were fucking Generation Me. And I just kind of got invested and I've stuck along for the ride. And here we are. So. You you know something funny? I said the other week, and I think it was on Tag Talk the other week. I was like, I didn't realize that Generation Me was the Young Bucks until embarrassingly recently. Like it was really? like 2019. <laughs> How? I don't know. Like I watched TNA at the time and yeah. I knew Generation Me. And then I went when they became the Young Bucks, I like they're so different in my head. It just didn't click yeah. that they were the same. And then I think they said in like an interview or something that their TNA run was bad and they didn't like it or whatever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's Generation Me. <laughs> So you thought that that tag team just disappeared? I did. I thought maybe they broke up and like retired or something. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what happened to them because in TNA, like that was a weird, you know, period in TNA. It's plausible yeah. that they could have yeah. disappeared. I don't know. Honestly, yeah, a lot of but guys I, in that I'm era glad... kind of did. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what? I'm glad it's off my chest now because I was keeping that a secret. <laughs> you know what? I'm proud of it. I eventually did figure it out. And, it, you know, now here we are. And I feel like Generation Me is a fever dream. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. ever talks about Generation Me. Someone should do a deep dive on Generation Me. Uh, Kylie, when I suggested that whenever this was last week or whenever, you were like, um, I don't think we should do that. You, you suggested it? a whole episode on Generation Me and you were like, um, no. I don't remember that. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> calling you out. I know you're calling me out, but you know what? I feel like I deserved it that time. If I really did tell you that we shouldn't do that, then I feel like I deserved it. You did this. Run the tape back. Then run it. It's your own idea. <laughs> <laughs> Someone find the clip and, you know, 
let us know. Also, someone still needs to clip uh, Haley's jungle hook thing from a few weeks ago. We haven't we haven't talked about that. But I mean, <laughs> any, <laughs> anyway, um, this episode because we are the elite girlies, the experts mm-hmm. on this subject matter, we're just going to talk about the elite. It's going to be kind of an informal discussion. We're going to talk about some of our favorite memories, like Generation Me, maybe some um, some AEW stuff. I like Generation Me. You don't need to laugh at me. Mm-hmm. And awesome. and our predictions for the future, because I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter or reading the dirt sheets, but it's contract season. And oh boy, is the elite dominating that discussion. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but before we get into it, I just wanted to make sure I am not going to talk over everyone this episode. I am going to be fair <laughs> And I'm going to give people the floor. So if either of you has, you know, something that you want to start off with, you can. I just, I don't want to step on your toes. Can't think of anything that I'd want to like launch straight into. Kylie, give us a jumping point. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Golden Lovers, because that's where I want to start. Yes, <laughs> yes okay, that works. <laughs> so Haley and I haven't done a Golden Lovers episode. There was a period where we were promising it. And we just never did it. <laughs> so this is our time to do our little Golden Lovers episode. Because um, I love Kenny Omega. You guys are more Young Bucks people. Do you really? <laughs> yes. I had no idea. It says it. Nope. I'm sorry. <laughs> glasses, I think. <laughs> I can't read. But, so, the Golden Lovers. I think for me, my favorite Golden Lovers thing is, one, their reunion. And also, I love, um, well, I love that they always come back to each other. But I also love that Matt Jackson still kind of has animosity towards the yes. movie. <laughs> he's, he's so bitter. He's, he's like, Matt Jackson as a wrestling character is kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. He really he's very is. possessive. It's, he, it's very funny. It's very funny. I think it's because he's so insecure. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nick is not. Nick is, and maybe, I need to know if you agree with this. Haley and I believe that Nick Jackson has no thoughts in his head. Yes. Just murder. Yeah. He yeah. just wants to like follow along with his brother and does what Nick does and just like uh, does what Matt does and then he's just like, yeah, I'll fight people along the way. It's great. <laughs> he's listen, he's special. Hangman mm-hmm. is a whole other thing, but I feel like when it comes to the Golden Lovers, and especially when it was um, back in New Japan, the Golden Lovers versus yeah. the Young Bucks, I really did feel like it was Matt. And then moving forward yeah. into Kenny and Hangman versus the Young Bucks, once again, I feel like it was Matt who really held that animosity. Like, Kenny mm-hmm. is his person. Yes. And I, I feel like- just rewatched that match, like, literally hours ago. Because <laughs> I wanted it fresh in my mind. Of course. And I was like, wow, Matt is way more dramatic than I remember. Yeah. Like, just so dramatic. But I love that. Like, 2018 I, I to 2020, he was, like, really in his bag with the dramatics. And he was, like, he was so invested into putting his all into this character. And, like, he still shows glimpses of it now. But now they're, like, all back together. It's, like, less prominent. But it's, it's, he's just so possessive of, like, his person. It's, it's very relatable, honestly. <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> And I feel like that's what I love about the Golden Lovers and also the Elite is that they're playing on emotion that we don't often see in wrestling. And if we do, it's really hokey. 
like when it comes to the jealousy thing and envy yeah. in terms of relationships, I feel like the biggest examples I can think of are wrestlers being jealous because their girlfriend is talking to another wrestler, yeah. like the undertaker um, or just annoying things like that. But to me, I feel like the elite does really well is making the emotion of it really subtle. Like the storyline is never really that Matt Jackson has jealousy issues. It's that Matt Jackson is this insecure man who just loves his friends. And he shows that through wrestling and teaming with them. So uh, when it comes to the Golden Lovers, I fully believe, you know, the Golden Lovers is a little bit different because that is like uh, a romantic relationship on screen, which there's a, a bigger point to be made about queer representation. But I, the, the way the Young Bucks feel, or Matt <laughs> feels threatened by that relationship, it's so interesting and he carries it through his career yeah. it's never just a one and done story so i really respect that from him as a storyteller yeah 100% agree something else i really like um kind of about i guess the elite as a whole is like mm -hmm. because of the kind of toxic masculinity that surrounds wrestling i feel like oftentimes in their storytelling they're really good at like you know breaking down barriers in that way yeah. for men, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the time. I feel like there's been a lot of instances um, throughout, I guess, the elite story that they've kind of done that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And just sort of thinking back in wrestling, at least the wrestling I've watched, uh, a lot of the the friendship stories of like these <laughs> immense friendships, these strong yeah. friendships, it's a lot of it is women's stories. Like I think of Sasha and Bailey, I think mm -hmm. of Trish and Lita, those complex stories. When it comes to men's stories, like with the tag team, it, it's always just a tag team of, of convenience for business, for winning, mm -hmm. something like that. Because I think a lot of people forget that wrestling is a performance of gender, whether that's hyper masculinity, hyper femininity or somewhere in between. And so for so long, wrestling has really relied on these hyper-masculine males. And I think that's why the elite appeals to our demographic of young women so much, because yeah. they're masculine, but in a healthy way. And mm -hmm. there's there's vulnerability in their friendships and in the relationships they build. So You said it better I, than that. That's literally what I meant, but I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. We know this. It's okay. Haley's a writer. I'm a speaker. Mm -hmm. I cannot write as well as you, Haley. I can't. <laughs> and so when it comes to something like in aw today the hangman story mm -hmm. and sort of the guilt that's part of that story the the longing sort of the the joy of like reconciliation i think that sort of alone in itself defies the stereotype of toxic masculinity i think hangman himself is a caricature of defiance of toxic masculinity just by his yeah. very virtue and so I think, I don't know, I feel like that is why, uh, one, the Golden Lovers became so popular because, you know, a gay tag team that isn't, you know, a joke and, you know, treated for laughs and, and uh, sort of mocking. I think that's important, but it's not just the Golden Lovers. It's like all these connections that are built around them and the acceptance that the people around them have of their relationship. So that's why I wanted to start with Golden Lovers because I felt like it was it was an appropriate topic for us. Yeah. Like with the Golden Lovers, I feel like 
it, it, like there's a lot of appeal for it as well because of as much as like they are representation on screen that was never the central focus and it was like me- never made a mockery of like you were saying like the focus was like all the surrounding storytelling with it and just how talented the wrestlers they were it was just another layer of everything they already had going on which I really liked and why it appealed to me a lot yeah and I think that's why stories like the golden lovers uh you know become so popular because like Kylie was saying you know we haven't had a lot of fantastic queer rep in Mm -hmm. wrestling it's just the nature Mm -hmm. of it but uh you know I feel like with the golden lovers kind of like what Charlie was saying it's not the central focus like it's kind of there and everybody knows it's there and it has time to breathe but it's not like hey we're gay and it's not like like a really mocky thing you know what I mean yeah yeah and I feel like that's because there's an element of realness to it. It's it's not a performed relationship. Like you can believe as a fan that this is a like this is a real relationship and something plausible that could happen. And I think Coda and Kenny, to their credit, when it comes to doing press and doing all those sort of things, they really do carry that with them. The you know yeah. the story of yeah. Kenny seeing Kota Ibushi on tapes in Canada, flying to Japan just for him to wrestle with him to wrestle against him. Like, that's a, a romantic story, of course, but it is entirely believable for fans. And yeah. when they're apart and they're not seen together, fans can really believe, like, oh, these guys are no longer together. There's, you know, tension there. And then when they reconcile, they're everywhere. So I think when it comes to representation, the mocking thing, of course, and, you know, making jokes about, you know, queer couples, but it's also, like, it's so real. And yeah. it's not... um sort of like a fan fiction version of a relationship. Like this is true it's representation. AO3. <laughs> yeah. It's not AO3. It's definitely not Wattpad. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's why it worked so well. Yeah. And it's it's never about their wrestling. Their tag team is never about their relationship, but it's always in the back of their mind. And I feel like that's the same thing for the elite. These really strong friendships that they've built, these family relationships with, you know, the core elite and also with, you know, SCU and all these other people that are sort of on the periphery of them, we're always aware of that. And so people, when, you know, one of us says something on Twitter about, you do guys remember in like 2019 this happened Mm -hmm. and no one remembers, it's because you need to be an elite fan because you're like trained and you're indoctrinated to understand what they're doing. And sometimes I I feel like it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I wanted to say sometimes (laughs) I feel like really delulu about it and I'm like, Mm-hmm. Am I speaking for Lulu, or is, or are they speaking to us? Like, yeah. we're the only ones that get it. And then normally, no, I I'm, Lulu, but I'm not Delulu, so thankful. Yeah, it's like having like been along for the ride for so long now. Sometimes I'm just like, am I crazy for seeing this so early? Because I was like, when they were building to the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, I started tweeting about that in like February. I was like, well, I can't wait for this feud. It's going to happen this summer. And everyone was like, where are you getting this from? I was just like, is it not obvious this is where it's going? Like, am I crazy? But that was real rewarding when that finally happened. But yeah, man, it's like being tapped in for so long. You just start picking up on the cues of what's going to happen. And that's what makes it so fun to be an elite fan. They really do reward you for like being in for the long haul with stuff like that. Yeah. And and sometimes I will say it, you both of you will tweet something and I had not <laughs> thought of it. And I'm like, oh, that is actually such yeah. a great point. And it's like the smallest details and things. And Haley, you know, she 
she's a writer and she she'll write about things and i'm like you know what that's a great analysis of this tiny little seemingly insignificant detail that turns into a yep. major point in the story and so yeah. when when you watch the elite for as many years as we have it just becomes second nature to look for things to really be invested yep. in the story and in an age of wrestling where most fans understand that it is scripted that these are scripted stories and everything i think that's a nice work workaround to make people buy into the stories to believe in them in a different way to really pay attention to details and things like that in a way that maybe you won't if you're just watching like a sitcom or another um tv show or something like that so i think that is why aw has succeeded so well because fans are trained to to watch every week to watch as much as they can and to really put themselves into it and not just watch it you know on the background or something like that so thank you to the elite honestly <laughs> absolutely it always it always um i don't like to talk that much about ratings because i don't i don't care but it, it always it's always funny when people say no one likes the elite the elite don't draw blah 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 when mm -hmm. it's the company was made because the elite draw like yep. that's that's the whole story so i just i think sometimes fans think that you have to watch being the elite or you know all these other aw you know youtube specials and all the things to really understand the story and you don't you just need to watch aw and the elite yeah. will be there they're not gonna like they don't hold your hands and like get on the mic and say hang man like you have butterflies on your jeans what does that mean <laughs> but it's like as a fan you're you think about it and i think that's really yeah. exciting yeah, with being the elite these days, it definitely feels more like these are just like little extra things for the fans that yeah. do still watch and like who are still paying attention. Like, because at the moment they're just doing like their little contract jokes and we'll get into all of that later because of they've been they've been doing that for a few weeks now and it, it gets a little bit stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely not a case of you have to watch being the elite to understand any of the story because they tell it so well on TV. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Um, like, you definitely can watch it. Um, and it mm. adds, like, a little bit more context for people, you know, that are following the story that closely. But you don't really need to. Yeah. And I also feel like I think um, – when it comes to being the elite, especially in the last couple of years, there's been an effort to really showcase other people and not so much the elite. Um, yeah. I think in the last couple of months, it's been curtailed a bit because of the hangman story and the need for space for storytelling. But it's definitely a vehicle to add to stories that aren't heavily featured on Dynamite, stories that were featured on Dark, uh, which, you know, RIP Dark, RIP Elevation. Uh, so it's just like a little bit of a selfless thing. And I think when it comes to being the elite, I, there's an element of fatigue there. I think, you know, towards, I, I would say even like all out last year, you could tell that people, you know, filming was getting difficult, even the dark order, like just having yeah. to do it every week to get that story out there. But it, I think this little rise of being the elite, probably because of the hangman story has really been great to watch, like seeing yeah. hangman back in the locker room with the elite interacting with them, seeing you know kenny coming in and out and that subtle storytelling of kenny being out and abroad wherever he went I, it's still up for debate <laughs> but i think it's just it really brings me back to the early days of aew and before aew 
-hmm. when it was these central characters of the elite and sure you know it's skits and it's you know acting and so on but it's it's like the same thing as you know we talked about the golden lovers it's like fans can buy into it and believe that this is something that could happen in the locker room so i really do think being the elite i think most people should watch it and if you're not a fan of the elite i feel like if you watch being the elite you will be like you'll get it (laughs) that's i mean yeah Haley, were you going to say something? No. I was going to you were like, um. Because I keep cutting everybody off and I feel really bad. So I'm just going to wait for my turn. Maybe we should have like on Zoom where like you raise your hands. If Haley cut you off, just steamroll over her. Just keep going. That's the goal that we'll do. When I want to talk, I'll just go. My little John. Perfect. That's how we'll do it. That that way, yeah. no one gets cut off, and we all have our turn. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Hangman, I kind of wanted to give a little bit of time to Hangman Page because one, I think he's the best babyface in AW, and mm-hmm. also I feel like this current story with the Hung Bucks, you know, with you two who are like Hung Bucks girlies, Young Bucks girlies. I mm-hmm. feel like we should really just talk it out and like feel through the story. Haley looks totally unconvinced. <laughs> But we're going to do it anyway, because I... Are you my therapist? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I feel like fans uh, who are watching AW now, the Hung Buck story maybe feels um, a little bit confusing because of the Kenny Omega thing and the fact that Hangman and the Elite for most of AW have been at odds. So I just you know wanted to get your thoughts on the hung buck story up until now where you see it going in the future and just you know just dive into the discussion to the meat of aw i think mm-hmm. i think the hung buck story ends with them winning the trios titles that's where i think this is going to lead like they finally teamed together again and they just fell into it so seamlessly last week like hangman was doing moves he hasn't done since before he joined AEW, I think. Like, when's the last time he did, like, the shooting star, the running shooting star yeah. press? Like, when he was teaming with the Bucks in Ring of Honor and New Japan and that. So, man, that's where I think it's going. And I think that's going to be, like, potentially, like, the next, like, not rift, because I don't want there to be any more rifts, but that's going to be, like, the next layer of the story with Kenny being, like, oh, so now you're teaming with them to do it. Like, that's what you, what you wanted in the first place. Because they did ask Hangman first. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that's going to be, like, a fun little callback. Fun. A nice little callback to that. And But, yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen in between. I think we've still got blood and guts. And that's going to happen, I think. And that's going to mm-hmm. happen with the Elite as a whole. But I really do think the Hung Bucks are going to, like, form a solid trio within the Elite. And that's where they're going to end up. They're going to end up winning the belts back. And I think that would be a good way, like, if Kenny wanted to trail off and do either single stuff mm-hmm. or, you know, if Kota comes in and he, mm-hmm. like, does stuff with that, I think that would be a good way to kind of split that off, too, because Kelly and I have talked about it on Tag Talk before, but, like you said, the Hungbuck stuff just feels so natural, and it's like, well, where does Kenny kind of fit into that? Like, he's kind of not an outlier, but he's kind of just mm-hmm. there, you know? Yeah. 
like it never really feels like the elite found the perfect balance with both Kenny and Hangman being there at the same time. Yeah. Like it, it all comes down to the Matt doesn't know how to balance himself properly, and that's what <laughs> ends up causing rifts. Like that's like kind of what drove Hangman away in the first place because of he felt like he was being ignored by the Bucks, and oh, it's just I hope. They're, because of that, they're very obviously avoiding titles at the moment because of like going after the gold is what causes a lot of issues for them. So it will be very interesting to see when they start bringing that back in and whether that starts with like, because Kenny's got the match against Vikingo in July, mm-hmm. whether that's where it all starts. So I'm interested to see what happens when they start going after gold, especially on like the AEW side. Yeah, and I definitely think on this week's uh, BTE, with, you know, the Young Bucks and Hangman and Kenny, there's like a physical distance between them in the way that it's framed. And also, Kenny definitely seems very confused by the camaraderie between the Hung Bucks. Even though he's forgiven Hangman, I think there's still that element of Matt Jackson-style envy. Like, he's upset that this is happening, and he doesn't know how to handle it. And we still don't know where he went off when he did whatever he was doing. You know, maybe he was in Japan, maybe he wasn't. But... I definitely think Kenny, especially at this stage in his career, uh, there's uncertainty there that Kenny Omega hasn't had in a long time. Like he was world champion. He was tag champion. He's trios. He's done everything at AW. And now it's like, what now? Well, I have my family, but my family is doing this other thing that I can't be part of just by rule. And so I think Kenny doing single stuff presents an interesting opportunity for them Either I don't want to cause a rift between the elite, but I definitely think that conflict is unavoidable in a sense. And I definitely think this story is going to carry them for like months. I think it'll be a long time until we see Kenny in that position. But just like the gentle teases of this conflict between Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega and Kenny and Hangman, not so much Nick because, you know, he's just there, no brain cells. But I definitely think it's, it's really, really interesting. And it all culminates in this like multi-layered story that they've been telling for years and years and years. Even without Hangman, the Matt and Kenny story is a decade old. Like this is something that they've really been building and that they've you know been fortunate enough to continue in AW on such a big screen. But the Hung Bucks, I hadn't thought about them winning the trios titles, but just thinking about it now, I think that's like, that's the only way to go just putting them in that spot, having them win the trios titles. And you could, you could have Kenny being upset at them. You could have, you know, Matt Jackson or hangman being upset. You could do so much with that. Uh, and also if they beat the house of black, that's a great match yeah. for us. So. <laughs> well, and also uh, with the stuff with the dark order and mm-hmm. you know how upset yeah. hangman was when he couldn't, you know, help them win the trios titles last year like now all the stuff with with them that'd be a really interesting first feud 100 agree yeah that's a really valid point especially eva luna has been tweeting a lot of stuff like you can you know you do what you can you can't control everything just like depressing stuff um and especially with the hung bucks actually wearing like matching gear and looking like a cohesive unit which i I love the cowboy hats on the Young Bugs. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> like, when that solo word of them came on screen, I was like, oh my god, they finally did it. They looked so good. It was, yeah. they're great hats, first of all, very stylish. I loved it. And just them them conforming to Hangman and not Hangman it's... dressed like a Young Buck, like the Young Bucks, you know, their third normally does. Love it. 
I kind of need to see that now, though. Like, Hangman in, like, Young Bucks gear yeah. would be very, very funny. Like, I couldn't imagine him wrestling in sneakers, like. I don't well, well, uh, I had tweeted something. It was, like, cowboy boot, like, sneakers. And yeah. I was like, Young Bucks should wear these. <laughs> and, got them. and it, like, the, like, style. But it's yeah. not wrestling boot. Now I need it. That'd be so funny. Now, you know what? We need to make it happen somehow. I don't know how we would do it, but we we will influence them to (laughs) to wear those. Uh, And I feel like if they do like a pay-per-view or something, maybe they'll wear it then. As we're recording this, the Young Bucks are still not on Forbidden Door. (sighs) I think my belief right now is that it could potentially be the hung bucks versus some variation of united empire because it kind of makes sense because that still ties them to kenny because obviously he's facing osprey and we don't really know what's going on like with like the osprey omega story that's definitely going on past forbidden door like there's no way that it doesn't um so i think that they'll end up facing some variation of united empire like carl fletcher jeff cobb and maybe hanere or Great Okan, something like that. We don't know if Davis is glued yet. So. Yeah, well, this this is going up after Forbidden Door, so maybe you guys yeah. can tell if, if, we, if we were right or not. So yeah, that's not right. That was a comment. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think, um, especially with the angle on last week's Dynamite, which for the audience who is now weeks in the future, Basically, there was a massive <laughs> brawl with like everybody who was even remotely tied to the story. It was Eddie Kingston, yes. Will Ospreay was there, Takeshita was there. Um, and I definitely think they're trying to find a sensible way to tie in the, um, the Omega Osprey feud into this Kenny Omega story that's happening within the Elite. I'm not sure I see where it's going, but I definitely think Omega Osprey, I think they're going to try to make this the new like Okada Omega like mm-hmm. getting Osprey to that next level the way that Okada got Omega to that next level. So I see it going past Forbidden Door probably into 2024. Just, yeah, I think that feud is too good and the matches are too good that you ha- you really do have to milk it for all it's worth. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, depending on what happens with the Elite, how Kenny sort of goes back and forth and is in this in-between zone between, you know, the Hung Bucks are doing all this stuff because Kenny's not there. And also he has to deal with Osprey. So yeah. I, I really love Kenny Omega being central to this story. Mm-hmm. Of course, Kenny Omega girly. I think there's going to be another layer of that too, because I've convinced myself that Takeshita is joining United Empire, because I did think it was Blackboard Combat Club at first, but I think the links with United Empire are there, and this is that's how it's going to go down, and that's how they're going to tie things together more with this story. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that because I was in the same boat. I was like, no, he's definitely going to join the BCC. And like, there were like hints of it, but I'm like, mm-hmm. is it going to happen? Is it not? Like we haven't, we haven't gotten anything. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, my theory of this came from the fact that Kyle Fletcher showed up on the episode that uh, Callis turned on Omega. Mm. So I was like, wait, 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 what if this is happening? And he's just yeah. like their US like console or whatever. And then if the, Takeshita links up with them as well, because of, like, Osprey, like, last week, well, last week, like, he inadvertently stopped um, Omega doing the dive onto Kalis and Takeshita. So, like, there's little things that are building, and I think that we could see it maybe happen at Forbidden Door, but I'm not sure. It's just an exciting possibility. 
Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's like a really good theory, especially because since the Takeshita turn, we haven't really seen him be with the BCC. It's always him and Don Callis. Don Callis cutting a promo and Takeshita's basically just there. So there's definitely, I think, a clear divide between the Takeshita and Don Callis pairing and the BCC, whether that's intentional or not Mm -hmm. to avoid, you know, the Takeshita BCC narrative. I don't know. But I definitely like your idea more, especially because I think Takeshita and the BCC, while it makes sense, you know, I think it's a easy way to go. I think there's a better story to be told within the BCC of a Danielson-Moxley feud. And after yeah. that, I don't know where Takeshita fits in. Because Yuta, I think, and I think they're still going with the Yuta best friends thing. I think that is going to carry him. Uh, and Claudio, of course, you know, Claudio and Eddie Kingston. So, like, where's Takeshita at that point? Yeah. So, I like it better. <laughs> I like your your theory better. I buy into it. I think it'd just be really fun. And, like, because of Aussie Open, uh, the only members of United Empire signed to um. AEW right now like it gives them just another member there like to tell their stories and that and it would also be like a really interesting dynamic between Takeshita and Osprey because they're gunning for the same person right now they both want Omega so it'd be really interesting to see what would happen with that oh that would be such a great match Takeshita and Osprey and it really does feel like uh and I've said this a few times I feel like New Japan is finally back where it used to be pre-pandemic Like, in terms of stories and, like, in-ring stuff. I feel like they're finally, they feel comfortable committing to it. Um, mm-hmm. Not having to worry about pandemic restrictions and things like that. So that's definitely something that they would do, is this cross-AEW story with Takeshita and Osprey gunning for Omega. Especially because Omega is back in New Japan doing things there. Um, I think it's so good. Now, now if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be like, you know what? There was a better way to do this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh my, my computer froze for a second. I was like, "Oh no, my Wi-Fi!" But no, we're. Okay. But, I've been like a little bit worried for the last ten minutes because it started like thunder and lightning here. That's why I keep looking at the window. I'm like, "Please don't cut out." <laughs> <laughs> That's. It, it looks like it's super sunny out, and it yeah. is. Oh, pun <laughs> That was incredible time for me the to freeze. Storm is your number one hater. <laughs> oh no, I'm frozen. No, you're not. No, not anymore, you're not. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Is she back? I have like like my little uh, Wi-Fi symbol on you know Streamyard little Wi-Fi thing, but oh, I think we're okay. Okay. If I, if you know what, if I drop out, then you guys can just talk about Kenny Omega without me. Perfect. You have to do it in my honor. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where. I don't remember what we were talking about before this. Uh, oh, Takeshita. We're talking about Takeshita. Yes. I. I don't remember what I was going to say about Takeshita. Oh, I was going to talk about Don Callis. <laughs> That's Snake. I know. Ugh. Boycott Cinnabon. We're still on that train. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think because Don Callis is a snake, really count him out for what he's doing. I wouldn't be surprised that Takeshita um, to United Empire thing, you know, becomes a reality or even something cl- like closely related to it. 
if Don Callis somehow is with Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door, which is this this coming weekend, which people are watching this, you've already seen it, so maybe that's completely stupid and it doesn't happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if Don Callis is just biding his time. Yeah. I think something that it doesn't bother me, it's really interesting to me. Takesha's not been using music. And it's like, I thought at first it was just like, oh, maybe like they're just giving him new music and it just isn't ready yet. But it's been like a month now and he's, they're just still just like coming out to a chorus of booze, which is really cool. But where's his music and what's going on with that? Yeah, and it's also interesting because on the screens, it's not like Takeshita. It's, you know, Mel Coleman's paintings of yeah. uh, Don Callis and Kenny Omega. So it's very much the Don Callis show. It's not the Takeshita show. So I I don't know if they're going to do something with that. And Takeshita, there's going to be like an issue with Don Callis. I'm not sure. But I definitely think it's weird because Takeshita went from this like fiery baby face to turning on the elite to now just being like the guard of Don Callis on his mission to destroy Kenny Omega. So it's definitely really interesting, and I'm really curious to see where they go with that. Yeah. It's just it's just been something that I've noticed, and no one really talks about the fact that he still doesn't have music. They just point out the Titantron and think it's funny, like which it is. Like He's still harping on this point with Kenny, but it's just like, what is going on with Takeshita right now beyond him just now being a heel? Like, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, and he's spoken a couple times, but he's yeah. not said anything that Don Callis isn't already saying. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a double agent situation where Takeshita is just biding his time to use Don Callis to get where he needs to be to challenge Kenny Omega mm-hmm. or, you, you know, challenge whoever. And that's where we're going with it. Because I don't think if you're Takeshita and you know the AW fans like you and you can wrestle really well and you have this like storied career, I don't think you know, just character-wise, he would be okay with Don Callis hijacking his whole thing and just using him. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a situation like that where he is just using Don Callis. That'd be a really interesting way to take it because of, like, Don Callis has never been on that side of a story like that. It's always Don Callis manipulating the people to get where he wants to go. So, like, having Takeshita be the one to do, like, the reversal of that would be really interesting. I think it would get it would generate so much like love for Takeshita if he like suddenly turned on Callis. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, especially with how the crowd, how much the crowd hates Don Callis for yeah. turning on the elite. Um, the booze he gets is actually insane. Like no, it's just it's absurd. So I think I think that's like a good way to go, especially because I'm I'm kind of like through with Don Callis being on my TV. Yeah. I feel like that's a good way to get rid of him. Just like throw him out with the trash and let Takesh to have a shining moment. Uh, whether that's beating Kenny Omega, beating Will Ospreay, whatever they decide to do with him, I think it's a good way to go. Um, I think the the Hung Bucks and the BCC, like moving forward, going, you know, the matches they have on Dynamite, into Blood and Guts, whatever, like whatever the path they take is. I think it's really interesting, sort of parallel-wise, the elite are having these issues while the BCC are having issues with Eddie Kingston and Moxley and, you know, Danielson hates Eddie Kingston and there's the best friends are out there. So it's like a story of two families who are at war with each other, but they're also at war within. And I, that's to me, blood and guts is going to be insane. I'm 
I'm yeah. so excited for it. I'm just like waiting. I'm like, okay, when's Blood and Guts? Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for the announcement at this point because like it's got to be coming. Like the way there's just like still building after Anarchy in the arena and there's just still so many legs to this feud. I don't even think like Blood and Guts will be the end of it. I genuinely think that this could keep going for like the most of summer, like almost all of summer, depending when they do Blood and Guts, obviously, because. It was like June last year, right? Or like beginning of July. So so if they did it like straight after Forbidden Door again, I don't think that will be the end. But if they push it back in summer, then it could be. Yeah, I'm also really curious about the all-in, all-out week. Like that same show and then, of course, you know, the all-out pay-per-view. I'm really curious what they have planned for the Elite there. Because I imagine at all-in, Kenny Omega is going to be in a big singles match doing something. But then the turnaround is so fast. I don't know, one, I don't know how they're going to do that turnaround. And also the story, whatever they tell, is going to have to be done quickly or in a way like you can stretch it across those two shows. So I I do see, you know, the BCC and the Elite making it that far to that pay-per-view, especially, you know, if CMFTR is a thing and, you know, they're going to do the Elite match. I imagine they're going to have some angle at All Out or something Mm -hmm. just to play on, you know, the time. Um but I'm really curious about those two shows, how they do it, and if All yeah. In and All Out will be connected in some way. I think they've got to be. Like, there's, like, what, a week between them? Like, if you were able... I think it'd be incredible if they were, like, able to build, to like, two completely separate pay-per-views without it being a detriment to one another. But yeah. I think it makes more sense. Like, they're just, like, two sides of the same coin for that week. And I think the stories are going to be complementary. And I feel like a lot of what we see on All In, it's almost going to feel like All Out is a fallout show for that, mm-hmm. which I don't think is going to necessarily be a bad thing. It's just like having, it kind of feels like WrestleMania night one and two in a way. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, there's so much storytelling going on this summer that they've just put two events close together and they're just telling a story that entire week. Yeah, and I also think um, the WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 comparison, I think, is probably the best comparison, especially with Collision. And, you know, the as we're recording this, the brand split situation is not entirely clear because now CM Punk is going to be on Dynamite and the Elite aren't. I don't know what's going on. But I think that they have a lot of room to build a lot of stories. But I would like to see, especially when it comes to the Elite and, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club or whoever they're wrestling at that time, I would like to see them on both shows. I don't want this to be like all in. We're just going to do some like fun matches, um, you know, some UK talent, some European talent. And that's just going to be a fun show. I want all in to be meaningful and carry into that week of TV and all out so that we can make this a full week of pay-per-view story. And because they do have, um, you know, their normal TV in between. So that's personally what I want. I want this to be like a week-long endeavor of, you know, crazy story and everything that goes with it. And I don't know where the brand split will shake up by that point. I don't know where CM Punk will end up. I don't know where the Elite will end up. But I definitely think they have like a really, really unique opportunity to just put their wrestlers through hell storyline-wise, just make them jump through so many hoops and suffer and have it be two really, really great shows. Yeah. It almost feels like a double parts like season finale like that week. That's yeah. what it feels like to me. And it's gonna be like a really good opportunity to like 
finish up whatever storylines that like have been going on throughout the year at that point and like what ones need wrapping up and then starting fresh for the build into full gear mm-hmm. and like that like kind of be their season finale for this year and just start fresh and like go into a new like era or whatever so I think that could be really exciting if they do it like that and honestly a breath of fresh air and make it feel like okay so you've stuck around for this long here's the payoff and then here's what we're doing next yeah and I definitely think um I think after Double or Nothing Forbidden Door is going to be great of course because it's Forbidden Door and the matches that are already announced are incredible but Double or Nothing, I think most people felt was kind of like a mid-AW pay-per-view. There were some issues with it. So they definitely, one, have the opportunity to redeem themselves with these two shows, but also to prove that they can do two pay-per-views back-to-back in you know a week and do two excellent, you know, really good pay-per-view of the year contending shows in, you know, back-to-back. And I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna divide talent and like you're working all in, you're working all out, or how they're gonna do it. But I definitely think, you know, the stories that are biggest in AW right now, you know, it's the Elite and the BCC, it's CMFTR, whatever they end up doing, I have no idea. And this women's story with the outcasts and the originals. So there's so much they can do with there, especially when it comes to Jamie Hayter and her return, which I'm not saying is happening at All In, but (laughs) probably. Uh, There's like so much they can do, and I'm really, really excited for it. And with the Elite's contracts sort of up in the air, or up in the air. I don't know. I don't I'm not in their mind. Uh, I feel like that you know, that would be either a great way to start their new era at AW or a great send off, whatever they choose to do, to do these really, really great shows and wrap up the story and do it really well. Haley, you looked very upset. By, by <laughs> you said send off and I was like, I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> well, if the elite went I don't want to say they're going to WWE, but if they went somewhere else, wherever they ended up going, I have no doubt that they would do it together and that they would move as one. So you wouldn't have to worry about like Kenny being, I don't know, in WWE. Divorce. He's in a Japan divorce. And they're in WWE. Like, being the elite is just like split screen, like <laughs> Zoom call. They just have Kenny sending in his little clips from Japan like they did in like 2017. I loved those when he was doing so the He's like, yeah, yeah, my body's falling apart, but I'm running in the middle of Tokyo at night because that's mm. what I do. <laughs> I loved those. Such a funny era. But I don't want that again. <laughs> I want the no, Because, no. like, Hangman, I know there was stuff with Hangman's contract as well. So it really is a all or nothing with them. It's just like all four of them resign or all four of them leave and I know yeah. what I want to see I want them all to stay not just because I like AEW it just feels like home for them now and I yeah. really couldn't see them fit in perfectly anywhere else like Kenny it's different I feel like he could go back to New Japan slot straight back in and it would be perfect there's so much he can do there but like with Hangman in the Bugs it just feels like AEW is their company like I just can't see them fitting anywhere else perfectly and especially because Hangman, like, he's only in his early 30s. Like, yes. he's definitely got a lot longer than the rest of them do. Um, so, you know, I feel like that's going to play a factor in his decision. But I also think that he is loyal to them and would stay. Yeah. So, yeah. And I also feel like when it comes to Hangman especially, Hangman really built his career in AW. Prior yeah. to AW, Hangman wasn't this world title contending 
baby face that everybody loved and adored. He was part of the elite, but he was very much like a developing talent. And AW is where he did that development. So I feel like Hangman is AEW. Like he is everything that personifies that movement. And that's why fans love him so much. And when it comes to Young Bucks, I think the Young Bucks, I have no doubt that if they went to WWE, they'd be great because, you know, they're, they're, you know, like HBK, then, you know, they can really lean into that. It would be whatever. It'd be fine. They could rush the Usos. Life would be fine. But I would like to see them stay in AW one, because I want to see them have that creative environment where they can do these stories that we've been talking about this whole episode. But also if AEW fails to retain the elite, especially since, since now Cody's gone as well, that kind of sours it for me a little. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm always going to watch AEW and think about the elite. Like I can watch collision and I can watch CM Punk and FTR and I can watch Miro and that's fun wrestling, but AEW you know, as a broader company, I feel like the elite are so important to that because it's yeah. it's beyond in-ring. It's beyond all that stuff. It's like a whole style of wrestling and wrestling storytelling that they really innovated. And AW, mm-hmm. like, that's a big creative loss. Yeah. It would definitely feel like there's a massive gap in the company without them. I mean, like, that period of time where, like, Kenny and the Bucks were suspended still and Hangman just got injured and all four of them were, like, off screen for, like, weeks. It just didn't feel right. It was like, this is AEW, but it just feels like another wrestling company right now. Like, if they left, I feel like after, like, time, it would, like, it wouldn't feel as different without them. But, like, it would be such a huge loss. It would take so much for AEW to keep a lot of faith for the fans, especially the fans that came in with the Elite, which is, like, a good chunk of the fan base. So, I don't know, I just feel like like, AEW losing them would be a huge hit, and it would take a lot for them to recover from it. Yeah, losing the, like, ethos of your Mm -hmm. company, like, the people that, you know, helped you start this place. I mean, the company's named after them, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they've they've been so loyal and they've done so much for AEW. Um, I think that the fans would harbor a little bit of resentment for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Matt said on being the elite, like if Matt Jackson doesn't take Tony Khan's phone call, if he ignores it, they go to WWE and there's no AEW. So AEW it's, it's wrestling style, the way that they tell stories, all that stuff is because the elite came and they brought their friends, and they gave Tony Khan that chance. Tony Khan could start his own wrestling promotion and, you know, do whatever, but fans of the Elite, would they tune into that, or would it just be another Impact Wrestling, where there's, Mm -hmm. you know, loyal wrestling, hardcore fans who watch it, and they enjoy it, and it's good, but it's not this WWE competitor that AEW is. So I definitely think the Elite, um, you know, for all, all the controversy, the people who don't like them, who think that, you know, they're quote unquote soft for all the stuff that's happening uh, with CM Punk. There's, I don't see an AEW that has the fan base that, you know, watched those shows in the first year with no TV up until October, who, you know, bought the merch, supported, did, watched press conferences where nothing productive happened, just them speaking. Those fans are elite fans. Like, you can't argue that they aren't. Like, they followed the elite through this journey. Um, and then it's like a million fans every week. Some, of course, some of them are, you know, there are other people they love, they're going to watch, they're going to do their thing. But there's a, 
a huge subsection of fans who would be really upset by that. I don't think all those fans just go and watch WWE or go and watch New Japan. I think they just stop watching and they just wait. And like, that's a really, that's something that, you know, we really need to consider as fans, but also AW needs to consider as a business. Like if you don't give the elite, you know, I I expect they're going to be offered a a way bigger contract with more money. You're going to be offered, you know, whatever they want. But if you don't make that deal, like wrestling fans are going to stop watching. Like they're not going to, there's going to be nothing really that they can really buy into. And so then AEW really does become WCW again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But I also think like, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that they're going to resign and whatever. But you you have to think about it. Like at this stage in their careers, like can, or do they want to spend that much time away from their families, whether it's in WWE or New Japan or wherever, like, you know, that's, that's a tough schedule when you have, you know, growing families. Yeah. And, like, I fully expect that if they sign, they're going to get multiple years. And I, I, some people are saying they should, you know, be demoted from EVP status because of the, the brawl out and everything. But I really do think uh, having the elite as central figures on the business side of things is super, super important. If not for what they can offer, just for optics of having them there and having them be in that role and, you know, uh, in a strong position in the company. But I also feel like offering them, you know, coach roles or production roles or something like that, uh, where their path from wrestling still in AEW is clear and AEW can retain them after, you know, their in-ring career is over. I think that's also important, something AEW needs to consider because Kenny Omega himself is pushing 40 I don't think he has, you know, 10 years left in him. I don't think he's going to be Dustin Rhodes wrestling in his 50s. Um, AEW needs to start thinking, what? how do we keep Kenny Omega after his in-ring career? Because Kenny Omega as a creative mind and as a wrestling mind is so important for a company with so many young people who keep signing so many young people, like kids in high school, that they're just signing with AEW. Kenny Omega is an asset, and so are the Young Bucks. And, you know, Hangman has a lot longer, so he's fine. You need, they need to have a game plan and having some kind of assurance um, as the elite, having that assurance that, okay, when I retire from the from in-ring action, AEW is still going to take care of me and I'm going to do merch or I'm going to do coaching or whatever I end up doing. That's a big bargaining point that AEW can offer that WWE can't. And I yeah. think that culture and that, that um, the experience that they've had, that's why I think the elite stay with AEW, not for in-ring stuff, but like this backstage stuff. I definitely think that's a good point. Like, I believe that they are going to resign. Like, since it first came out that they're all their contracts were now coming off at the same time, I was like, "Well, they're all staying anyways." And then people, like on Twitter especially, they had such a huge moment about it. They were just like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, what if the elite leave? Like, there's a huge chance they could leave." And I was like, "I never really saw it that way because it just..." maybe I'm naive for believing it. It just feels like they're so at home in AEW, and there's still so much like for the company to offer them and them to offer the company it just feels like this isn't like the time that their past would like split off and they would go to do something different so i don't know i'm i'm confident in the fact that they're sticking around and they're going to be here mm-hmm. for a while so and the fact that they lean into it so hard on bt yeah. social media and stuff and they really like bring back their troll trolliness yeah. um yeah i definitely 
I definitely think it's just a ruse and they're going to stay for a long time. They just like getting a rise out of the fans. They do it with yeah, this sort of stuff should. all the time. Exactly. So that's what that's part of the reason I haven't been worried. Like the minute they started like poking fun at it on Twitter and on BT and that, yeah. I was just like, okay, they're staying. It's fine. Like, I will say though, um, with Triple H being like primary um, creative, whatever his title is, whatever he's doing in WWE, I did think twice about it because like my initial mm-hmm. response was, oh, Matt Jackson's in a suit and he's making fun of this, you know, Chili's Wendy's situation, whatever. But I was like, oh, but it's Triple H. And Matt Jackson has always said over the years that Triple H was really respectful towards him, you know, really respected him as, you know, a human being, as a dad and as a husband and all those things. So I did think twice about it. But at the end of the day, I don't think WWE, apart from maybe more money, I don't know. I don't think they can offer, especially the Young Bucks, what AW can, uh, just tag team wrestling wise. Of course, the Usos matches there in the New Day. But when it comes to tag team wrestling, I think the Young Bucks in AEW, there's a way higher ceiling. And I don't think they've even met it. Yeah, Uh, I think they still have a lot to do, a lot of work they can do. And I don't see that in WWE. So that, to me, is like that. I mean, Kenny going to WWE, you know, the AJ matches there. Seth Rollins is there. Like, he has a lot that he can do. But for the Young Bucks, I don't think it's the same situation. And you know what? We said it before. They'll stay together. Uh-huh. Could you imagine them going to WWE though and getting split up? They would get split up. I know. They'd be on different brands, one hundred percent. Oh, well, they they would be together, and then they'd yeah. be like, "Oh, surprise! We're doing like a post Survivor Series draft or something." Mm-hmm. And Kenny would be on Raw wrestling Seth Rollins like every week, and the Young Bucks would be like dressed up in clown suits or something. <laughs> <laughs> they'd get destroyed. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I just don't think creatively the bugs in WWE is something that would ever work. Yeah, I just I think their wrestling style would be limited. Like their character work would be like way watered down. It's just it, it wouldn't like not only wouldn't it feel right, it just wouldn't look right. That it wouldn't like I just can't imagine a young bucks in WWE that isn't just like a shadow of what they are in AEW. Like they would never reach like those same ceilings. Like, yes, the Usos match would be good. Yes. Like the New Day's match would be good. Like the Steen Erico match, like, but like beyond that, what is there for them really? Other than a more grueling schedule. Yeah. And WWE style is so specific too, that they would really have to water down what they do in the ring. And, uh, no, <laughs> well yeah and i think um i think you know there's a case to be made like bec- especially because they've all been talking about retirement that they would go to wwe just to get those dream matches out of the way and like do a year and then figure out after that i could see that just because they want those matches in their catalog um you know when they retire they have those memories but i don't think it's a good system for them yeah. as family men I don't think WWE, I mean, unless you did like a part-time schedule, I think that's too big of a commitment to, you know, especially their kids are getting older, but they're at that age where, you know, parents being involved is really, really important. And I don't see them, especially, you know, with the close family that they have, you know, committing to this schedule where you're on the road five days a week and you're wrestling all this time and you're always beat up and you can't play with your kids and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
and I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they value the money that WWE offers and like that security it gives their children. I don't know, but I think they would become parodies of themselves in WWE. Yeah. Like they would be, um, just like I said, clowns. Like I don't see their characters. I don't see Matt Jackson being able to do this emotional storytelling in WWE. Yeah. Especially, I think they would immediately put them in with the Usos and they would get destroyed. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely see that happening. Kenny's yeah. a different situation. I think he would get the Cody treatment and, you know, the star treatment and, you know, the cool matches and everything. Even though Cody now, he I don't know what he's doing. I was going to say, I don't know if I want to do the Cody treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, WrestleMania debut, all that fun stuff. But I definitely think they would really have to change their outlook on wrestling to be happy in WWE and like enjoy what they're doing. It's like with Matt as well, like his wife works for AEW. So what would even happen there? Like, would she leave as well? Like how would that affect their family dynamics? Would he be able to commit to a WWE schedule with like Dana traveling with AEW still? Like what would happen with that? That that's actually like a valid point because like then what do you do with your kids? These aren't yeah. like, you know, 16, 17 year olds. These are little kids. So yeah. that's like that you have to consider that. And the WWE, I mean, the exposure and the money you get from WWE, I don't think uh, really makes that big of a difference. I don't know what AW is offering them. I imagine it's something, you know, kind of similar. But when it comes to the logistics of living your life in WWE, it's a lot harder than it is in AEW. So I see them staying in AEW. Um, yeah. For the foreseeable future, I, you know, when they're old and retired, maybe they'll go be NXT coaches or something like that. <laughs> but, but for right now, I definitely think uh, for their final years in wrestling, I think AEW is where they want to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's nice. like being able to say that you went your whole wrestling career without like properly working in WWE and you're still as successful as you are. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that can do it. So I feel like that is something that would have a lot of appeal for them. That's also a really good point and something I haven't considered. They do love to brag about themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's like the ego is also there. You know, you have mm-hmm. to consider the ego. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see them stay. I think we're all in agreement that they'll probably stay in AW. And watch, by the time this goes up, they'll be like, There'll be a report from from Sean Rossab and Mike Johnson and all these people that yeah. they're leaving. That's just how it'll go. <laughs> yeah. Imagine like the day before this goes up, it's just like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are not resigned. Be like, wow. And I'm we like, spent, so, like, like the, twenty the minutes, last twenty minutes of our episode is just not <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. She's like fade to black. <laughs> Rest in peace, the elite. At the end, of the day. <laughs> rest in peace, the elite. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, me too. I mean, between the three of us, if someone had a uh, like a reasonable theory for the elite to WWE, it would be one of us, and none yeah. of us did. So, I think we're safe. Yeah, I think fingers okay. crossed. Fingers crossed. So. We are past an hour, so I just wanted to kind of um, give you guys the floor if there's anything you wanted to talk about and bring up, if you have any, like, closing thoughts you want to give, the floor is yours. Um, I'm just excited that there's still 
so much for the elite to do right now and they're still like such a central focus of like wrestling in AEW and like with like crossover shows too because like the elite are the reason that I'm still a wrestling fan and like the Young Bucks and Kenny and Hangman like that's what kept me invested and like why I stuck around and why I was invested from in AEW like from the minute it started and like all in like the first all in and all of that like that's why I am a wrestling fan and like why I get to do things like this now like if they had never done what they had done I probably wouldn't even watch wrestling anymore so I'm just glad that they're still around and they do what they do honestly Haley, are you okay? I was cough and I didn't want to cough while she was talking, so I had to. <laughs> I'm just worried about you. I'm just fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with Charlie. Like, honestly, this show wouldn't exist without you know the elite and our love mm-hmm. of tag team wrestling and how much we really bonded, you know, over our love of these stories. Um, so yeah, you know, I owe a lot to the elite for where I am too in wrestling media and just in my place with wrestling because I've fallen out with it and come back to it so many times at this point it's disgusting (laughs) long haul now so (laughs) then and I feel like a lot of people are in that same boat just I think the elite not just AEW, but before AEW, they really spawned a whole movement of new wrestling fans or returning wrestling fans uh, and also young wrestlers who are now you know wrestling on TV because they saw the elite in PWG or they saw the elite in Ring of Honor or whatever, and they wanted to become wrestlers. So I feel like industry-wide, I think a lot of people owe a lot to the elite. Whether you like them as wrestlers or not, uh, it's undeniable the impact they've had on the business. Like you can't argue with it because AW is here because the elite did all that work for so many years to make it happen. So um, I'm really glad we did this episode yes, because me too. I feel like, well, one, I feel like we need all needed to be on screen together at some point and it mm-hmm. had to be about the elite. And two, I feel like we really got to have like an intellectual discussion about yeah. the elite. And I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much me for too. joining us. Thank you for having me. This was great. I'm really I'm really glad that we got to do this and hopefully we get to do more in the future. Oh, definitely. When I get back from my July mm-hmm. sabbatical, we'll definitely have to do another one, especially with All In coming up and like that yep. chaotic week. We'll definitely have you on for that. Awesome. I can't wait. So um, I guess we'll go Charlie, Haley, me. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, any projects, um, Twitter? So I work with Russell Purist. I mentioned that in the beginning. So if you guys want to see more from me, like uh, check them out. Like they like that YouTube channel. Like I do a lot of the streams on a Wednesday and Thursday. I write features for them too. I've got, really I did cool. one on, thank you. Um, I did one on Christopher Daniels last month and I'll have one coming out hopefully before the end of this month, depending how it goes. Um, so yeah, so check those out if you want to. Haley, your turn. I mean, you know, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Haley and underscore. Um, I have heard that Eating the Indies is, it should be releasing on Amazon in the beginning of July. So mm-hmm. I know you guys have been sending me messages and asking me about it. So I think that's the timetable right now. But, you know, you can follow me on Twitter for the link and everything for that. 
Um, and you know, I'm just I'm still writing on uh, <laughs> wrestling news, my Substack, trying to figure my life out. But you know, that's where you can find me. <laughs> okay, now I have the big plug. But first, my plug. You can follow me on Twitter at Kylie Wrestling. Um, if I'm on a show, I'll post about it, so you can just go see it. Um. I'm going to be MIA for all of July. I have like a non-wrestling professional thing I'm doing, but I'll be back in August. Um, well, the end of July, but Tag Talk will be back. Uh, and we'll be back in better than ever. We're totally going to like, we're going to revamp the show. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to have Charlie back on. So make sure you come back in August. <laughs> this is Tag Talk. Typically we are live every Monday at three. This is a recorded episode because we wanted to get, make sure we got Charlie on before I'm gone for weeks. Um, so, you know, we recorded. Um, so Tag Talk live Monday at three. I think we're going to stick with that in August. I don't think anything there is changing. So if it does, follow me on Twitter and you will find out. This is Fightful Overbooked. There are lots of great shows on Fightful Overbooked, not just Tag Talk. There's Coexisting with Bob and Maggie. There's Spread Club. There's FMT. There's so many great wrestling and non-wrestling things here. So make sure you go check out all those shows and all those people. Subscribe to Fightful Overbooked. Like this video. And comment your thoughts below. And let us know how you're feeling. You guys are watching this after Forbidden Door. So maybe everything we said is completely moot. But you know what? I still want to know. I want to know where we went wrong. Like, let, mm -hmm. this would be a great test for us. Like, are they really as smart as they claim to be? I don't know. Are we're we gonna really that ahead of the game? I think we are. Yeah. I, I really do think we are. But maybe we're not. So let us know in the comments below. Uh, I think I covered all the points. So we'll see you guys in August. <laughs> Thanks Bye. for having me. <laughs>